Hello everyone, welcome to Nerdy People Play D&D, where we play games with pens, paper, dice, and our imagination. Thanks for joining us. And everyone, welcome to Nerdy People Play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, not just one, you get both this time, which is great. Um, this this is going to be a bit of a, an interesting episode where we more discuss the design of what we went through, because I've shared the Dungeon Master notes uh, with my players and i've got heath dan and anthony with me tonight and we're gonna have a bit of a discussion about how this adventure is put together and what we think um i'll kind of save my thoughts for the end but um i guess the first thing i'd love to ask is guys what do we think of the setting of the margrave or, or kobold press in general i guess i it's this is dan i love it everything about this reminds me of every fantasy novel i um devoured uh, as a teenager so i am so into this yeah it's uh anthony Araja here the for me the setting's really unique i love the fact that it's primarily set in a forest and it's it makes a nice difference to usually spending your time either in a dungeon or in a or in a town constantly so it's it's nice. I actually quite enjoy it, despite the fact that the forest is pretty sure mostly trying to kill us most of the time. It's kind of its job. Hey, 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 here. Hey, Heath. Hello. Um, where's the truth in advertising, DM? Playing D and D. We're not playing D. We're talking about D and D. So far, we've had neither dungeons nor dragons. If we're getting technical. Yeah, thought, that's true. I thought this was supposed to be pun-free, and, and there's been a lot of puns, you know. That's true. But that's not really a criticism of Cobalt Press. We can't hold them for responsible so, for that. So welcome to Roast Josh Hour. <laughs> but in terms of the question, I do, <laughs> I do, I do love the setting. It's really great. I, I was talking to the guys before about how I've just watched, binge-watched the Dark Crystal series, and I, I think it's got a lot of um, similar themes, you know, it's, really dark but it also creates a really unique interesting world yeah. where you know the nature isn't all just wonderful and lovely and and you know chirping disney uh birds and butterflies it's it, it wants to kill you but it's also sort of old and mystical and ancient and powerful and intriguing and all those great things so yeah i'm really having fun yeah, yeah nature wants to do its own thing I think for me, I really love the oh, races as well. I do too. I think those are very cool. Um, I was going to say one thing I like about the Margrave is, um, for for me, a I do like the idea of, um, and in, this is actually in a lot of the dungeon master notes that you have not seen yet, and I'm probably not going to show you until we finish this whole thing. Um, the Margrave itself is a character; it has an awareness, and I like that as an idea. That, for me, takes me back to the old fairy tale thing. Um, and I actually kind of wrote a thing uh, that's going to be going up on a buddy of mine's blog, uh, Draconic, uh, which is Drac-O-Nick, um, who's been on this thing before. Um, and it's like, when you, when you think about old fairy tales, they involved essentially sex, murder, torture, mutilation, blood, and magic. And... Yeah, this is yeah. Brother Scream was dark. Yeah, yeah, it it really was. And like when you look at okay, what is a formative experience like that gonna do to a kid? It's like probably mess him up, um, a lot. Um, 
but this is a really, really cool and characterful setting. Um, and, and I really, really like that. And having flicked through the next um, adventure or two, they are doozies. And the other thing is that I quite like about this as well, this thing can kill you. Like, we, we had one party member down at the end of the last fight. Yeah, Grizz, mm. Grizz, Grizz down, was down. Uh, the, the singing tree knocked him out, and it was, it was, it was uh, pretty clutch. I yeah. think it was lucky that Huddleford got uh, prone, and it was lucky that Hugen had just broken the madness from the giant centipedes, and, and Chirk just got into a position because the giant centipedes had been killed to stabilize. So, yeah, got close. Yeah, that could have gone any of like any direction it, it could like, have gone it, worse if i'd used all the centipedes at once um and and this this for me is like a, a dm thing it is sometimes fun to introduce an element like continuously introduce little enemies or little elements to just kind of ratchet keep that tension ratcheted and there's something well, they, yeah, there's something about change. that no, there's something about that tension that, for me as a player at least, that kind of a thing with, when you marry that with what you said about sort of the, the forest itself being alive and us being absolutely at risk, I know we all have lots of fun during the the non-battle sections, but there's a real sense of literally everything being at stake here consistently, even in the, the role-play sections, um with the um the awareness the lack of awareness of the the villagers and so on there's a there's a real sense of actuality to it all which is odd for a i'm gonna say odd for a fantasy setting when sometimes it's really difficult to suspend disbelief but here we are playing a, a tree uh a hedgehog a bird a bear in a living forest and it's like yeah this is real that, yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, we were we were really lackadaisical going into the Hollow Man um, combat, and yeah. and <laughs> yeah, you were prepare. really un- <laughs> we really underestimated him, and um, you know we just thought we could probably take him. We just well, assumed because you're used to that sort of, um, I guess, uh, the DM only gives you encounters you can handle because there's the whole challenge rating system and all that sort of stuff, and and this is this pretty much. You, you can defeat things if you do it right, but you could just as easily, you know, he could have killed the, um, what was his name, brother of Katie, and well, he did, and walked off with his head, and and kept, well, and, and, and walked off with his head, and and kept coming back, and we may have been powerless to stop him. I mean, maybe we should have done a better job of setting traps and getting the villagers ready to use fire as well, and things like that. And you kind of, I think we sort of started that combat and then realized, wait, he's in, he's completely immune to non-magical weapons holy crap none of us can hurt this guy and i i loved that we got that the fight was split over two sessions because at the end of that first session i was freaking out (laughs) like both from player and character perspective it was it was oh it was an oh crap moment where you had this realization where you weren't just going to have your turn deal damage and eventually you'd be fine. You actually had to think it through a little bit. And, you know, there was no, there was no guarantee we were getting out of that fight alive. 
There was not. And, and I liked that about the whole thing. I must admit, I did the moral arithmetic on if someone had to die, who was it going to be? <laughs> and I kind of picked, I've kind of pricked Brother Arcadia because he was like on death's door anyway. And I know that's horrible, but I was sort of like, yeah, if anyone's going to go, maybe maybe it's okay. But because uh, it, it felt like someone was going to gonna die. I mean, it was... Which re- related to the, yeah. the someone is going to die question, I've, I have skimmed the notes and... Oh, if, it's an, if it's appropriate, I did, to... I did too. Finally, it was great. <laughs> but no, if it's appropriate to ask you a what question a about something that didn't happen, Josh, yeah. with the with the the notes on the the progression of the Hollow Man taking down villages, um, yeah. and if this is a discussion line that's spoilerific and we should cut, tell me to change the subject. But I, I think we up... probably should have said, "Hey, everyone, we're going to discuss spoilers for the Hollow Man adventure in Cobalt uh, <laughs> Press." If that's not what you're about, tell you what, I'm going to bring out another episode next week anyway, so don't worry about it. We'll have something. All right, now I'm about to give the spoiler. All right, go for it. The Hollow Man comes knocking on the character's door. If we hadn't have sorted everything out by then, had you put any thought into how the Hollow Man was going to attack us? I'm really curious about that. I had not. Um... I think I probably would have brought in potentially like I, I potentially would have upped Mother Mulvor's powers, like maybe turned her into, her into like a, a an empowered NPC, shall we say, mm-hmm. um, like maybe turn her into uh, like a druid or a cleric or something, something that would fit you know the whole Discworld Granny Weatherwax. Um, yeah witch kind of thing and i'm not sure if that's i'm really not sure what character class that would be because there's a few that you could argue and say that's what that is um or maybe just it's a little deus ex machina though i i i i um have a tendency not to try to like save the pcs with yeah. an npc i think it's okay You're a nicer man we... than me <laughs> yeah well i think it's okay if we get our butts kicked and i think that just increases the stakes Okay. And, okay. you know, if, 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 the, if he keeps coming back, like say we didn't defeat him in that first combat, mm. which I think it was just luck we sort of remembered the song because I never actually wrote the <laughs> entire song down. Um, but um, I think if we hadn't defeated him and he kept coming back and that increased the stakes, I think we would have had to look for other ways to combat him and it would have increased the stakes or we, maybe we would have had to have gone for help or I don't, I don't know what. You know, or even just get the villagers to work together more because we sort of took this sort of um, hero mentality mm-hmm. that we're going to protect and save all the villagers and we didn't involve them at all. So well, you know, maybe you, you, maybe we would have realized, hey, you know, maybe we can, that we need them to help. Yeah. Um, one, one thing I will say about this adventure is like reading, reading through all the notes and everything, it mentions um, there's a lot of locations like the lime kiln, like the witch pit, which is now a pond. Um, a whole bunch of things and the song and it's like everything in that village is saying you need to burn this guy fire is the only like it doesn't say explicitly hey to metagame uh, hit it with fire somehow um, oh the clues are definitely yeah, there yeah. I mean, that's, I, that's, I, how, I that's it, how we I, got that's how we got I it I think it breadcrumbs it didn't. nicely um, but, but at the yeah. same sorry yeah but at the same time but at the same time like Hoonan grabbed a stick 
full of fire and swatted at it and it did practically nothing so mm. it wasn't it wasn't like a big red flag that was going hey just hit it with fire and things will work it's you still have to be effective and from a player perspective you know i thought that was really good you know it didn't it didn't it didn't cheapen the the knowledge that we had received yeah. from that i it I, was, I do want to point out um I don't remember what you rolled to hit it with that um, branch, but if you were using your spear at the time, it probably <laughs> may not have been great. Oh, it was a bad idea and a bad roll, I believe. But <laughs> at the same time, like, you know, it doesn't... It's not a... From a DM perspective, mm. I think, and this is what I enjoyed the most as well, it wasn't a, It wasn't like a free hit. Mm. It wasn't a, oh, you've you've sort of got the right idea and it hits and you do damage it was you know you try this thing and it doesn't work and you're still left feeling that stress of oh crap yeah. are we going to get out of here alive there's one yeah, other I turned, thing i turned oh, sorry. into oh, sorry you go no 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 yeah 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 um i, I was going to say um one thing i like about the dm notes for the hollow man is it actually pretty explicitly says in there it will not use its scythe on something that is not its target unless it is really pushed. And I think that's the other saving grace because its fists are pretty bad, but its its scythe is a lot worse. Yeah. And and I think that makes kind of a thing, but also like when... And I had to kind of play this like, how would this creature react? When you guys proved yourself to not be a threat, it figured... I'm just going to yeah, walk. Just, so our incompetence like, had some benefits at least. It, it, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, not, not hitting it with the, with the flaming log straight up made it think... The, the way I was playing that monster was unless they show themselves to be an actual threat, it's going to focus on its target. And you guys, I think, scratched it once or twice. Like, um, Chirk mm. hit it with a magic spell, but did... And Grizz um, grappled it a couple of times, I think. Yeah, Grizz, Grizz put it in a, in, in a bear hug, which it broke out of. Dan scratched mm-hmm. it with Hail of Thorns, if I recall. And it was just one Boone of those... Was... Sorry? No, no, you finished. Yeah, and, and so it's like, well, you've done so little damage to this thing, guys, that it's, it's, it's more going to register you like mosquitoes and just, like, walk through because you How don't... Do- worry it i have to say that's that's kind of how we felt i think at least from my perspective that's how we were reacting we were reacting like excellent ineffective creatures against this massive wooden construct that was the goal yeah and and then Heath rolled a a nat 20 to hit it with a flaming log and it's like well that could actually end this fight pretty good (laughs) yeah that was cool it was and also i want to point out if anyone listening to this is thinking about designing a metal cover, uh, sorry, an album for for a me- an album cover for a metal band, a giant flaming wood like wooden construct made out of dead branches all twined together holding a scythe and is on fire, I will buy that album. <laughs> I'll, I'll be throwing That's money at my fun. PC literally like, "No, I want that." So, what would have happened to the singing tree had she got all of her heads? Um, it, when it acquires, I think the magical number is 13 heads. 
Of course. Yeah. That's um, a lot of failure. It yeah, it is. It really gives you a generous like thing. Uh, it becomes a a singing triant. That sounds oh. nicer. Oh, so the, the singing like... part, at least the triant. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's oh, where is the note? It's, it's in here somewhere. Aren't triants usually good? No, this is gonna... this is an angry triant. I was oh. going to say, can it can it not be good? Wait, like, so does that she mean it can walk a around more? She weeping treant once more. She terrorized the nearby villages. Um, oh. To put it in perspective, uh, a weeping treant is a sweet mother of God. It's a CR6 creature. Um, okay. Oh. Armor, class, and what- armor class 17, 105 hit points, resistant to non-magical bludgeoning and pe- uh yeah, bludgeoning and piercing, vulnerable to fire. So not many of us would have been able to do damage to it. Three d six punching, and it can throw rocks for three d ten. So we'd have been dead. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, if you oh, are yeah. if you are in hand to hand combat, um, or sorry, if you hit it, uh, you need to make a dexterity saving throw, or take acid damage. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we killed <laughs> it before that. <laughs> so, in other words, um, we w- we probably potentially would have restarted with mu- you know something very different. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you wait, does this mean Yurt's does this mean Yurt's bull is cured? Pardon? Because it's not seeing anymore. Is Yurt's bull okay now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yurt's bull's fine. The the village oh, is doing fine. All the animals are okay now. Um. The other thing Except is, that poor this... pig. Cool. Truffle. I don't have the to tru- kill a bull. That's great. No, Grizz said the truffle pig's gone to live with its new family. That's what Grizz said, but... Yeah, that's what they all said to Huddleford. Yeah. Yeah. Do we need to break some news to you, Heath? Jeez. Oh, dear. <laughs> Actually, I do, I do know someone that had the revelation. Everyone was talking about the whole, you know, my dog went to the farm thing. Mm. And mm. I met someone that was in their late twenties that that said, "Oh yeah, my dog went to a farm too." I meant it sincerely. And they're like, "There is no oh, farm, no. you know that, right?" And they're oh, like, no. "Oh," and they, they just had the realization at that moment. Oh, so, no. Someone had oh, a no. long conversation with their mother that night. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, "How old do you think your dog is right now?" That's when you go to the bar and you're just like, "Here's a drink." <laughs> yeah, yeah, buddy. You, you, I think you need one now. <laughs> you you need this more than me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of things that died, uh, in the original DM notes, oh. and I shared this with <laughs> That's a segue. That's a segue. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, in the original notes, uh, the little girl that you guys saved is dead. Wait, no. so, so was that something you Anya. changed, or were we no, just uh, really good Carter. for a change? Pardon? I changed that- it. I You changed I, it, I, okay. Yeah, look, I, I, I will level with you. Me, dead kids... No. no, I think that's a, I think that's a solid approach, regardless of your familial status. I think that's just a good yeah. human approach. Yeah, yeah. There's a um, there's a wonderful. I mean, it's hard, it... sorry. There's there's, I mean... there's there's a wonderful um, like Mitchell and Webb sketch where Webb has had a kid, and Mitchell's like, "Ah, oh, are you saying we can't do dead baby jokes now because you've had a kid? Harden up, son." And it's just Mitchell yelling at Webb about the fact that he's he's just like. <laughs> you know so very weak now um oh yeah to be I, fair. I don't see how that change changes the story though i mean well i don't the what kid is was it, pretty what is, 
the, beat up. Like it was, wasn't. It wasn't as if, like, the, you rocked up and the kid was perfectly fine. She was still pretty messed up. Yeah. When we got and, there, and I mean, being... yeah, and she was like a round away from dying. We yeah. we cure wounds on her. Yeah. And it, like, yeah. if if she were were dead, I don't see how that changes the story. It makes it you know sadder, but it, I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't change the 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 story from a plot hook point of view. No, I, I agree no. with you. It doesn't. I mean, it, it could be. I mean, look, there, there'd be groups out there that'll say like, "Hey, we're we're cool with dead children," and I'll be like, "Okay, cool." <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever sit down with you, but okay. Um, <laughs> we just love to kill kids. Bam! There's one. Bam! There's another. <laughs> um, but it, it, okay. it'd be a game that I'd be probably struggling through. Well, in a lot of ways. In a collateral damage sense, like if a dragon attacks a town, I mean, sure, maybe there's that moment, like in Game of Thrones. But, I mean, it's not, you know, I don't see the utility of singling that out. I mean, I don't, I, see, the, I yeah. don't see the value that adds. And, and also, I also think... I, I think oh, sorry, I also, yeah, you, you go, you go. I'll, I'll, I'll be shush. I'll be shush. That, it's, it's, it's all good, man. I, I also think it's a table by ta- table basis. Like yeah. if if you've got a table and you've been playing for a while and it's one of those things where it's not gonna not gonna phase the table, then fine. Like I'm not gonna stop you from doing it. But I for the most part, I think it's one of those things that you can judge by the players that you've got. You know, it's not That's a true. yeah, it's not a it's not a hard and fast rule. Oh, this kid's gotta die. You need to do it. You know, it's it's one of those things. I, I guess that that it's um, maybe it's on the players a bit as well in that session zero to just flag anything they're uncomfortable with. You know, if they've got a history or areas they don't want to go into, I mean, DM should ask as well. But you know, just and and, and I know sort of trigger warnings has come, become a bit of a, um, a a cliched insult that the political right sort of throw around and talk about virtual signaling and stuff but in a in a real sense i think it's just about having respect for people and the things that are upsetting to them and when you're there having fun with your friends and playing a game that you know there's no reason not to make accommodations for those sorts of things i think i agree and well said um i also want to point out like stung to death by bees that's that's kind of horrible. That's not a great way to that's, go. That's just like, oh, okay, that's that's bad. Yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not fun. No, I mean, if you've seen the movie Wicker Man, it, it's not a great Bees! way to go. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Nick Nick Cage didn't like it, and I'm sure any other NPC won't either. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they'd be kind of against it. Um. I have beef with Nick Cage. And we leveled up. Yeah, you did. You're now all level three. Yay. Oh, Are we? Yeah. You're now level three. Again. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I've I've actually selected some uh, of the Margrave spells. Okay. Uh, to, so I've got Barkskin is one of my new ones, which is a standard spell. Yeah. But then I've gone Nip at the Hills and Poison Volley. There's also so, uh, in the, and sorry to interrupt, in the Midgard book, there's a whole bunch of Druid spells too. Yeah, these are druid spells. From the Midgard book or the standard player's handbook? No, no, these are the mid- that's oh, what I'm saying. I've got okay, two, okay, okay. two 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 I've I've chosen two spells from the um Margrave's handbook and it's uh and I've sort of custom made them in in 
Actually, I, I did the first four levels of spells from the Margrave's Handbook into D&D Beyond. You champion. because I'm anal retentive like that. You champion. Okay, so which spells did you pick? <clears throat> well, I've got Nip at the Heels mm-hmm. and Poisoned Volley. Okay. So Nip at the Heels I chose because it's not concentration, mm-hmm. but it lasts a minute. So that might be good for a druid because I can cast it on someone okay. and they see a pack of illusory dogs. And they have to keep doing um, uh, wisdom saving throws or they have disadvantage on checks or attacks because they're sort of threatened by these dogs unless they climb a tree and get out of the reach of the dog. That's nice. Um, so that could that could be really cool for a, uh, a druid because, um, like I say, no concentration, which is the big big problem with druids. It just kind of lasts. So you, I can cast it, then cast bark skin maybe and mm. then turn into a, a wild shape and then... Um, the spells persist. That's cool. Hopefully. That's how I'm thinking it works. Yeah. Anyway, I'm no, sure. I, I, I'll, I'll look up Nippet Heels, but Barkskin, I'd say, is absolutely correct. Well, Barkskin's concentration. So, yeah. Is it? Yeah that's, one I can, uh, yeah, that's one I have to maintain. Oh. But it, but that, one, that one's okay. Okay. And then the other one is um, Poison Volley, which is kind of interesting. You, it's sort of a bit like Melf's Acid Arrow in a sense. Um, you... Uh, draw back an imaginary bowstring and summon forth dozens of glowing green arrows and shower them onto the enemy. All in creatures in a 20-foot square within range take 3d8 damage, poison damage and become poisoned. Creatures making a successful constitution saving throw take half damage and are not poisoned. I assume it doesn't say, but I assume you have to make a ranged attack or a spell attack to, to hit your targets, I would say. Yeah. But it's an area of effect spell, so maybe you just nominate your, your area. Yeah, actually, it, it's kind of sounding like that. Give me a sec. Uh, well, because it's got a constitution saving throw, you know, it's typically it's one mm. or the other, isn't it? It's usually, usually an attack roll Usually, or yeah, like throw. usually you either just get smacked or, or that's that. It's like, um, what's that cantrip? Does D12 poison spray? Yeah, maybe. Mm. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah poison spray is a saving throw, not an attack roll. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'd... Is, is that like in that. the? Is that specifically Margrave, or is that in the uh, Midgard book? Uh, I don't know the difference. Okay, I think it's in the Mar- uh, the Midgard book. So I'll check. I would say though, some of the spells, like going through them, it feels like they've uh, designed a lot of them around the Minotaur race. I feel like yeah. that yeah. that that was a big focus, and you, there's some spells that seem quite good and maybe potentially powerful in certain context there's other spells you're just like why would you bother with that versus the standard that's a big design question if only there was a um that was a question that i felt um similarly about the the ranger options not in a negative way necessarily but a lot of the Mm. the unique ranger spells that were brought on here felt i think redundant for the way i've constructed my character they don't bring anything that i can't already at least approach doing with the the skill set I have. So there was not a lot of value that they brought to to Chirk anyway. Yeah, I think that's ditto for the Raven folk as well. Feels a little bit... uh, Almost a little too similar to the Kenku from a standard 5e build. I I Which is cool because they're a cool race. Yeah, yeah, they Mm. they are cool. But also I kind of like the fact that... um, they don't have to only speak in mimicry. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I'm, like, I, the, I have that... to say, in our other game, I'm really glad that Heath's Kenku character 
is like a minor character rather than a major one. Otherwise, I think we'd all just be like smacking our heads against the table. Oh, I just drive you bonkers. Yeah. I don't oh, yeah. know what you want. But it depends so how just, you want to play it as well. I guess. Just yeah. say it in words, please. Yeah. It's, but there's definitely spells thing. in the um, in the handbook uh, in the in the guide that they sort they almost feel like limited versions of the standard spell. It's kind of like well. Here's the standard spell, but it only works in this very specific scenario. Yeah, I do want to. I'd love to highlight one spell though that um, is an option for the ranger that mm. um, I almost took, but it was one of those character choices rather than a that's an awesome spell choice. Um, it's called uh, Cobra Fangs, and what it does Ooh, is that I it causes that the, it causes the target to grow great snake-like fangs. And you can cast it on an unwilling creature to force them to have it, or you can cast it on a willing creature. And basically, it gets a bite attack that they're proficient with. You add the strength modifier, the damage is piercing, it's d4 damage. But then you get the 3d6 poison damage on a failed save, half if you're successful, etc. Which, I say that out loud, it feels weirdly balanced, but... I don't know. I think I just really like the the options that it gives you to cast uh, on someone in the party, or someone willing, or just to chuck it out into uh, a monster situation or a villain situation and see what the heck happens. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, can, can I tell you my least favorite Midgard spell? Sure. It's ag- agonizing mark. It's it's firstly it's concentration, which just is horrible for a druid, and because you're just constantly competing for concentration. Uh, it lasts a minute, and then this is what happens. You choose a creature you see within range to mark as your prey, and a jagged ray of black energy issues forth from you. Until the spell ends, each time you deal damage to the target, it must make a charisma saving throw. On a sailed, uh, failed save, it falls prone, and its body is filled with torturous agony. So essentially, you're using up concentration and... It lasts a minute, but it's it just has to keep um, it just has to make a charisma saving throw, and all it does if it's successful is just makes the creature go prone and it's in torturous agony. But I assume on its turn it can just stand up, use half its speed and stand up. So I I would have actually taken its turn away from it. Yeah, that's yeah. how I'd read it if as it's, well. It's, it's forced yeah. for it, it the sounds... creature to be prone for a minute because of the agony. Yeah, yeah. It, admittedly, yeah. the other thing I can see missing from this is that should be a warlock spell. It does yeah. feel like a spell, not a, yeah. not a druid that, spell. That strike, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let... I mean, that spell like bard, cleric, druid, ranger, sorcerer, wizard. Okay, A, I don't That's think paladin... Well, actually, maybe a vengeance paladin. I'd let him have it. But as a druid? Hmm. Yeah, or a cleric. Actually, well, one thing I want, does, I want to bring back, right way back to something you said, Heath, um, about the fact that this is not a nice forest and it's going to try and kill you. My perspective on druids yeah. is there's two kinds. There is the Huddleford kind, which is like, yeah, you know, nature, it's great. You know, things are pretty good. You know, it's all right. Um, and there's the other kind, which are, I am the wrath of nature. You like acid rain? Guess what? The planet doesn't. Um, <laughs> and I have played yeah, it's with like nature's both revenge. Of, yeah, I have played with both of these druids. Both are good, just in different ways. 
even Huddleford has a bit of a dark side. Like he's a bit complacent in terms of life and death. Like he sort of has this attitude that like things in the forest die and then they just return to the forest and then other things live. And it's sort of like he's a bit cold or guess callous towards death, I guess. Maybe. Oh, um, I read an interesting porcupine fact. Sorry, I heard an interesting porcupine fact that hopefully mm-hmm. we can make canon. Um, during mating season, female porcupines, to show they're available, climb a tree while urinating and screaming. What? I mean, who doesn't do that, though? <laughs> <laughs> In fairness. Depends, Was that Heath depends or how high you're climbing the tree. <laughs> yeah. We are talking about uni days before. Yeah, well, yeah, fair enough. That's true. That's true. Yeah. I was actually going to say also, wouldn't it be so great if there was like a Dungeons & Dragons podcast that really focused on design and had like a crappy, a, a interesting, funny name and the host was going to make a BDSM gag at the start of every episode? <laughs> wouldn't that be great? <laughs> hey, very, it's very you're niche. halfway there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I may have to wear. I may have to wear some kind of lace apron while recording, just to feel in character. So, I'm not sewing a lace apron for you. Oh, thank God! No, a normal one, yes, but lace is beyond my technical skills. Okay. No, I was worried that oh, I, I was worried that at some point, Dan, you were going to give me a leather and lace uh, apron, like in the form of like a French maid type of thing, and I would take it home. I'm not really out leather, ask, Josh. Why exactly do you have a French maid outfit start? Dan gave it to me. <laughs> Josh, why are men giving a, you a French Fran- maid outfits? I don't. I a French maid outfit made out of leather would be. I'm trying to picture it, and it just doesn't. I'm trying work. not to anymore. We had to buy a latex bodysuit for a music video, and got this big lecture about the care for the the appropriate care for the latex bodysuit and how to get in and out of it and so it's quite a quite a talk and um my wife goes oh so it's just like looking after a swimming cap and they were so offended <laughs> but essentially yeah oh that is spectacular oh no spectacular oh, no. Yeah, but it was sort of instantly um, debased their their interests. <laughs> oh no, that's lovely. <laughs> I, I like I like the sass your wife brought to that conversation. That's it's quality. Oh, she's very practical. I, I clearly, think, yeah, that's that's great. Um, kind of coming back to um. The, the 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 Margrave thing that you guys just did. Um, no, go on. I'd love to see how you segue back to Margrave's from latex bodysuits. <laughs> this is it. This is the moment we finally break him. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to talk about, no, I can't do it. Um, I'm I can't do it. I'm sorry, guys. I don't have a segue. <laughs> I really can't. Speaking of awkwardly slipping into things, <laughs> next topic. Well, I didn't need any cornflour, so that's good. Um, <laughs> no, I read a, an interview with a cosplayer who cosplays as Catwoman, and she actually said, "Yeah, getting in and out of this thing is kind of awkward in some ways because apparently she cosplays very accurately. It's like it takes a lot of cornstarch." I'm like, I don't want to know. I'm. 
I'm okay turning my I brain off. I think talcum off, powder is the... Yeah, yeah, that too. Talcum powder is the recommended. Excellent. Um, one thing I will say about um, this adventure. Um, one thing I... Okay, I found this lacking in the notes. And this could just be a... This is Josh maybe being picky. I didn't like that it didn't really give any kind of personality things for any of the characters except Brother Arcady, and it says he's a bit gone with old age. He's he's clearly senile. And I found that kind of a waste. Like, admittedly, look, it left me open to reimagine Mother Mulvor as Granny Weatherwax. Which, which I've got to say, you've d- if, that, if, that, if that information was lacking, you've done a fantastic job of filling in some blanks there and really bringing these ciphers to life then. I, I want to yeah. point out there was a lot of Josh pooing his pants like shit 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 because there's so many <laughs> names and there's nothing like against them so you really remember anything about them there are a lot of blank ciphers so a lot of them like it was a case of okay just pick one thing that makes this person memorable uh, um Arcady Senile great got it Mother Mulvor I, I don't know Granny Weatherwax great um the guy who's Yurt's son. I can't remember his name because there's so many names to try and remember and a lot of them have no actual character. Thank you. Um, angry that his dad's dead. Okay, great. After that, I have no clue. Such a man. I guess you've got to draw a line in the sand somewhere though because when you're like, if you're creating a module, do you flesh out every single NPC? Like, you know, most of them are just, I assume, commoners, right? So they've got a couple of hit yeah. points. St- standard peasant. Like, they're, yeah, they're basically there to be victims of Hollow Man. The, prob- the problem you have, though, is we want to go speak to him. Like the ice guy. Uh, not the ice guy. The, the coal fellow. The firewood guy. Yeah, the coal guy. Yeah, yeah. I just figured he's probably a jerk. Carl. Carl yeah. and his coal, yeah. Need to go. Yeah. Need to go get that quality coal, man. I, I do Carl's wanna, charcoal. I want to I want to say a thing. Um, you guys probably remember when we played Goat Crashes. Yes, I um, definitely remember when we played Code Crashes. Excellent. It was fantastic. Um, what I did, and I'm really sorry you guys can't see this because my webcam isn't working, uh, but at some point I'll just send you a picture. Um, the map that I drew up in 10 minutes has a list of names for like all the different characters that were in that flat. And, and, I, and all I did was like I had DP at the top for Dramatis Personae, um, because I'm clearly a twit. Um, and it's I know, like it's, char- it's in the name of your podcast, Josh. Thank you. Um, <laughs> people couldn't see me turning. It's and our intention Dan to break you tonight. Oh, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's it's an unofficial roast. Cool. Um, I'm not going to make any comment about that in relation to DP. Um. What I did was I just wrote a characteristic next to the name. And, you know, we had Scumbag Bill. We had Random Sharon, Chaotic Bob, Angry Ron, Pointless Peter, Useless Sam, Reckless Pam, Thrifty Judy, Vicious Sid, because I can't resist myself even <laughs> like 30 <laughs> seconds to think of a name. Of course, of course. Yeah. And Crazy Jeremy. We've met. Um, and it's like all a lot of these needed is just that one word next to them. And yeah. that actually provides like a level of characterization where you can immediately go yeah. right. I kind of, I kind of feel like a lot of modules and not just 
not just the third party stuff but the the official D D stuff as well they kind of need like a uh, npc table mm. that like just give you a little bit of detail yeah. like just a just, just a one tiny word bit. yeah yeah like just a hey well, maybe 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 this. a couple of words like you know yeah you know for example brother arcady like just senile walking stick and immediately you can draw up a mental image of a doddering old man well past his prime and you can even get like a bit of yeah. an idea of like how you might play that or mother molvor knowledgeable like yeah. looks like a witch but just or just have it in, yeah just have it just have it at the back of the book right and when you get to that area in the module it has a line that says uh, generate npc times 2 mm. There's so many good tools out there for that. I mean, you can generate yeah. random personalities already. I mean, I, 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 I like do your I, I like your yeah, I like your idea, Josh. Where it's just you know, the name and brackets, something to hook it on. Yeah, and then that way it doesn't really break your flow. You're not kind of looking at tables, looking up. Oh well, what's this character supposed to be? Um, that all helps. So yeah, I get that. I mean, I would have a criticism though that some of the names in the stories, particularly the Queen of Fade, uh, Deus Andrea, which would be Sandy, Sandy, and I, I still don't know if I'm saying it right. I mean, why make the hard so impo- the name so impossible to pronounce? I mean, it's it's um, maybe it's just us, but I mean, there's you know six of us. At, I, at I times, I'm going to say none of us can say it. There's a couple of um things in here that happen. Um, where like I look at the name and I'm like, oh yeah, I know where that's from, and it's based on a language that I am currently learning, and and so I can look at that and go, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a bastard to try and say, um, but a lot of the words in that language are really difficult for English speakers, and but I guess to take out take a lot of the, okay, some I think leave in, and some has to go because admittedly like if a character's name has got five syllables Oof. i'm yeah gonna yeah i'm gonna do the australian thing and shorten it <laughs> i also like Austra- the fact that to now fair, my, 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 my canon really with this with my canon with that elf late that fey lady rather is she is olivia newton john yeah yeah <laughs> Although, you know, I like stuff like Lavoka being sort of an Eastern, Euro- Eastern European sounding sort of village. Yeah, it, admittedly, I mean, I was going to play a lot of these guys with like West Country accents, but I can't do that um, reliably. <laughs> so <laughs> a lot of people might become more and more Russian as we go or more Polish. <laughs> That's okay. It's very it's an good. Educational I can process. do this accent very well. Yeah, that's see, I was just thinking, if ever I have to put an accent on in a game when I am DMing, it usually falls into uh, over-the-top camp Eastern European or screaming teenager, and there isn't much middle ground. So you've got the actual linguistic chops there, so you carry on as far as I'm concerned. Accents are a funny one. You know, you really don't want to go outside of your sort of vague ancestry circle or yeah i i would put this down if if this was say um based in something more oriental i would not want to do anything even vaguely disrespectful 
to any yeah, Jerry culture. Lewis accents yeah. are not great. Yeah, no, that's a wise, and, and wise it's like, choice. guys, we don't, you know what, guys, we don't need to bring that to the table. There's enough bullshit in the real world. Let's have a nice game. Star Wars is pretty yeah. problematic in that sense. Oh god, I was just thinking the about characters this guys. in Star Wars, and you're like, oh, this is so racist. We would never do anything to. Uh, Anger the sand. It's like, oh god, George, what were you thinking? I don't think he yeah. was. To be point. fair, to be fair, there's probably like a dozen people that made that call. Like, it's probably not just one guy. But um, at the same time, apparently, it doesn't like, really make it better. Yeah, I'm, well, no, it doesn't. no, that's what I mean. It doesn't. <laughs> it, really doesn't it doesn't. Help. It doesn't. Um, I do remember. Um, yeah. I haven't watched the documentary of when they made those movies, but when they did, apparently, like, when they were watching it back, um, in this documentary, you can see... And this is according to um, Let's Drown Out with uh, Gabe and uh, Yahtzee when they were doing that. Like, the people... The, 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 the actors watching it were like, oh, this is bad. This is not good. This is not good. Yeah, a lot of the prequels uh, were... Mm, not good. Well, it's an interesting challenge because you've got all these sort of race, races and cultures and different planets and, and they, they've all sort of evolved their own languages and so on. And you want to also want to reflect uh, sort of diversity amongst the representation. But I think the difference is you don't want to be uh, an English, native English speaker imitating Asian accents. I think if you're going to do it, you need to employ Asian actors from different regions that bring their own um you know authentic uh language nuances to characters yeah like um yeah. say if you were going to make a star wars movie and you were say going to get an amazing martial arts actor with a tremendous pedigree behind him and give him a kick-ass <laughs> blind almost jedi knight like character who's just awesome i mean i enjoyed i enjoyed donnie yen in rogue one it was great He was the blind priest guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. I haven't seen Rogue One. <gasps> I, I opted, out. I opted out. Out. I opted out nope. after. No, the f- we're not friends. I opted no. out after the first, uh, first Star Wars movie. You all, like, you all watch one. horrified not as a large original. anvil falls on Hunan's head and destroys him completely. <laughs> Splat. Anthony, great the, to know I've you. I've seen Bye. the original trilogy. I, I refuse to believe anything yeah, post that. That's right. That's right. But so I think there's different rules on a podcast than yeah. obviously a movie. But what are you? What are your guys? What are your thoughts on um, at your home game? Do you just go, go? Yeah, do you just go for anything or? Um, in terms of players, yeah, I let them have a bit of free reign. Um, if it becomes like if if it, there's a difference I think between a player who's attempting something new and trying to come out of their shell and maybe do a voice that they normally wouldn't do and someone who's just messing around with stereotypes for the sake of messing with them. So, yeah, I think it's very much a DM call at the table and very much a how things play out at the table type of situation. So maybe it's their intent as well. Yeah. I, I'd so, say, but oh, I believe. Yeah. But I, w- I would think if, like, at my table, if one of my players suddenly busted out a highly offensive, um, stereotypical voice that 
was outside of con- any sort of context as well. Um, you would definitely want to have a conversation with them and be like, hey, man, or or girl, whoever. Hey, friend. Not judging. Um, yeah, hey, hey, person. Um, <laughs> you know, that probably didn't go down as well as you maybe wanted at the table. Maybe we shouldn't do that. You know. Uh, given that my character uh, that is in the game we all play in uh, offline um, is a tabaxi Mm. and I'm doing I'd say a not amazing impersonation of Antonio Banderas as Puss in Boots Um, because that strikes me as well they I'm trying to picture your voice trying to do Antonio Banderas I am It's, it's, it's an admirable effort it really is thank you it's also that thing about punching up instead of down, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, yeah, and that's it. Antonio Banderas yeah. is far more rich, powerful, and successful than I will ever be. So I think he's he's due some, you know, commentary. Um, yeah, no, no offense, um, but you're definitely punching up there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, you're intentionally mimicking a, a fantasy cartoon a character, character yeah. which is yeah. a completely, which isn't. I hope I'm recalling this correctly. It's. Its accent is a function of the actor hired rather than the race of a cat. So it, I feel like it's a different category of suitability. I just want to point out, um, everyone, while we while Dan was saying that, his actual cat got into the video behind him. <laughs> I was about to say the same so thing. So my actual cat is driving me Very nuts. good cat too, by the so way. So if you hear a sudden he's a, he's crash, just, just carry on. Yeah. Okay, okay. Um, no, I, th- I think we'd all come down to, look, if you're sitting down at a table with someone, try and get to the point where you know them well enough to the point where it's like, okay, is this person is this person acting in good faith all the time? And I don't think that's always a difficult thing to, to, to figure out because most people you can tell that's, in about two minutes, is this person a dickhead or not a dickhead? But that's why it's super important to have your session zeros yeah. and all that yeah. sort of stuff because... If your if your player is cooking up a character that's clearly a stereotype that is going to be read at the table as some sort of racist sort of caricature, you know, you can nip it at the butt at a session zero and be like, "Hey, man, that's not cool." Whereas if you leave it if you leave it to like halfway through the campaign, it makes it quite difficult. Yeah. I think it's also why DMs should look at character sheets before um, everyone does sit down for that session zero. Um, yeah. for two reasons also because you can say to them look you're three wizards and I'm going to warn you guys uh, there's going to be a lot of hand-to-hand combat in this <laughs> so maybe one of you should wear you know something that is a bit stronger than a t-shirt just 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 be just a say. druid and you're fine look at a plus one I'd t-shirt people, it's all good I would urge people when you're coming up with a character to you know not make being a jerk your character personality I mean it seems yeah. interesting at the beginning, but it it, it can wear pretty quickly. The, I'd say there's I mean, levels of jerkitude. There's levels. Like, you can be a very yeah. funny jerk. Like, I like to think Grebo... Oh, Grebo's... Grebo's a, a weird rogue in that, A, he's not a, he's not a kleptomaniac. He, he only steals when people pay him. But if you give him money to stab Desmond in the back, Desmond's going to get stabbed. 
<laughs> yeah, but he has a code and he's an assassin and things and, like that. I'm talking more like if your personality trait is just I'm always going to subvert the group's plans or I'm going to go yeah, off alone. Chaotic, or, stupid, yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's a difference. There's a distinct a difference between a flaw. Yeah, there's a distinct distinct difference between a character flaw and just being a dick. Like in in bringing it back to the Margrave example, like Hoonan Hoonan has flaws. Like he he's all about that shiny stuff, man. Like all about getting that uh that sweet loot. But at the same time, he doesn't do it at the detriment at the party. Like, he's not, not hey, I've got yet. this cool sickle. Let me keep that because screw everyone else, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting too. And there was like a little scene at the end when we found the Ring of the Ram and, and Huddleford and Hugan had a little conversation about it. And, mm. you know, um, Huddleford doesn't necessarily, you know, he can't really use most magic items anyway because his his main thing is to turn into a wild shape and be a be a bear or whatever. So he doesn't really want stuff. He's not very materially materialistic or, or driven by that stuff anyway. So he's kind of the opposite yeah. in that sense. But there's like a little opportunity there for Hugin to maybe grow or challenge that preconception. So it's interesting to engage with. Yeah, like there's the difference the difference between a dickish character. So someone that just has a flaw but refuses to acknowledge it and someone in a character that maybe has that same flaw but wants to engage with it and discuss it with other characters at the table. I think that's where the difference lies between someone at the table that may be a problem Mm. and someone at the table that um, will have an interesting dynamic with the rest of the table. I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And for your character too, you need to be, um, for, for your character too, you need to also consider that like uh, it's all well and good for your character to have a flaw and to interact with the other characters in a certain way, but you're also a player and you need to not impact the enjoyment of the other players. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played with a chaotic, stupid character in another campaign that was run. Um, we were doing the Lost Minds of, is it Fandelin or Fandelva? I think it's Fandelva. Okay, cool. Whichever. It was the Lost Minds. And this guy was playing a, uh, a barbarian Goliath called Jeff. And Jeff's character was essentially Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, you might think, okay, that sounds like good fun times, Josh. Not when we are trying to do things like, okay, who here is actually good at XYZ? And the guy playing Jeff would say, Jeff's the best at this. And then Jeff would then proceed to either charge into a door or do things which were just like, oh, far out. And I mean, look, to the, to the guy's credit, he noticed that we were all kind of like, okay, you babysit Jeff. We will do this thing. And then you let Jeff go and, and attack a wall or something. Um, And and, I mean, look, like I said, to the guy's credit, he fully realized he was taking away from everyone's good time and Jeff disappeared and got eaten by the green dragon and everyone was okay with it. Um, (laughs) Spoilers, in Lost Minds, there's a dragon. Have fun. Um, (laughs) It's called Dungeons and Dragons. One was going to pop up eventually. 
yeah. yeah. E- even in this, yeah. maybe. Usually in a dungeon. It sounds like it even Usually has dungeons. Dungeon. It, it it actually does. It's really good. It it it, it delivers on on the first and second D. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's it's not fun. Don't do it. You're not being funny. You're being a prick. Which I'm. Well, I'm really glad that I think the the four characters that we have here are very richly, vividly painted. Each each of them completely unique, and potentially soon to be five. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Maybe um, depending on someone else. <laughs> um, but. Oh, my train of thought's derailed. No, what I was going for was um, the fact that things that... I mean, you've already mentioned uh, AJ uh, Hunan's approach with that, and I wanted to ask Heath his whether the Huddleford being the, um, the brazen, cheery, or often unintentionally wrong and unintentionally offensive, but entirely lovable kind of thing came from because it's something that it really walks the line and every single time I think you successfully successfully pull it off yeah um firstly thanks I just tried to imagine a creature that would live in the forest and be um kind of isolated from people and a druid that just sort of wanders around by himself and looks after trees and collects berries and eats poisonous insects and so on and um, doesn't have a lot of social interaction, is just unsophisticated and down-to-earth and is just very candid. And so when he sort of deals with a problem with candor, it's not out of malice. It's always out of um, a lack of sophistication. And I think that's the fine line because you're being blunt and potentially rude in a social setting because you don't understand the rules of the social encounter, you don't understand etiquette, but you're coming at it from a good place. You're coming at it, you're not genuinely mocking someone or, or, or criticizing someone. You, you're just coming at it um, with good intention. So I think, well, I hope that's the, that comes across. That's what I, I think so, yeah. that's what I loved. That's what I loved the most about that interaction between Huddleford and Hoonan at the end of the, the last session is Hoonan is someone that has been around people and has been in the city and does have that sophistication in terms of dealing with other people of a of a relevant sort of stature and trying to trying to negotiate with someone that doesn't care about the thing you're negotiating (laughs) about it was a completely different sort of dynamic and it was i loved it i thought it was fantastic i I do want to say i see huddleford as kind of a stoned womble um (laughs) no that's fair which is like yeah yeah. this is this is pretty much him And, and that's not an insult like i mean i like huddleford huddleford is quite characterful and the fact that you have created a lot of stuff around the 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 the, the, the hedgehog people, the Erina, um, I like that. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this feels like, 
admittedly, there is a, a, a class in the Margrave thing that is only for uh, Erina. And oh, is that the rogue? Yeah, I think it, the underfoot. There it is. And this is a baller class. It's really good. And it's like, it's a rogue comboed with a druid. And that's great. Um, it's like, you know, you get, uh, when you get to level three, um, you get shillelagh and two other cantrips from the druid spell list, which is great. It's like, all right, mm-hmm. you, you, you backstab someone with a shillelagh something. That'll be wonderful. Um, <clears throat> but they also get this ability, uh, when I find it, okay, at level nine, undermine, you can use your action to dig a hole under a large or smaller creature within five feet of you. That creature must succeed on a dex check, uh, or fall prone. Uh, if the target fails at saving throw, you can make one weapon attack against that target as a bonus action. It gets better. At level 13, when you move at least 10 feet underground towards the target, your next attack against the target with your shillelagh has advantage. And then at level 17, when you use your death from below feature and hit the target, blah, 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 the target is restrained by vegetation and soil until its next turn. And so you get this very, very cool spellcasting rogue that is really good in combat. Like that just, to me, it's like a druid rogue sounds really, really cool. But I, I do like the way, Heath, that you've brought this very, very, in some ways, like innocent and naive character but it's innocence with that edge of, look, things die all the time. And that's just how it is. He's also a tank. I mean, yeah. that's the. Yeah. I mean, he's three foot tall and completely non threatening, but because he's a circle of the moon druid, he's a tank. So yeah. Yeah. it's really weird contrast. And I'll tell you why I didn't take that, that um, subclass. And it's, again, my criticism of the Midgard stuff. There's just not enough in it to beat out the standard stuff. So like compared to a circle of the moon where you get CR1 um, wild shapes pretty mm. much at like level two or three, I think. Two. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's really tough to beat that out. And, and I mean, you uh, Arena can still burrow. So I could still potentially mechanic my way through to something similar to what you're talking about where you burrow under someone yeah, and true, use an action true. to try to restrain them or something. Mm. Um, so, you know, while I nearly took it for flavor and just to explore it, it's just a really tough choice. I don't know if you guys had the similar experiences. I mean, what, how did you yeah. find the subclasses? I, yeah, with the, uh, no, you go, AJ. Uh, you go, you go. You haven't talked for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> We're all going to get a go. It's not a competition. Um, quick roll initiative. I want to point um, out there's two great barbarian classes specifically for the bear. One is like a biter, which is great. Sorry, Dan. And we, no, no, how could that's you not, okay. How could you not go a barbarian? It's yeah, yeah. a bear zerker barbarian, bear folk. I mean, um, come on. But the, the this is my first time playing a ranger, which is neither here nor there really, because I was familiar with them anyway. But it's my first time sort of having to think about uh, the choices of what a ranger is and so on. And this is this is where I really liked the the ranger archetype situation here where um i think one of them's only allowable for the i'm going to say this wrong the al al shade the the deer creatures class yep. but 
they marry. They seemed to marry really well with the. I chose the race first because that will look spectacular. The the piney race. Yeah, and yeah, they're really cool. So interesting. And we decided that um, hill trees would work on. Yeah. On Shirk. Yeah. I that I've no objections to that as the the player or the character. Uh, but no, as the, the DM, I have no objections, and I'm going to have some fun with that. Spectacular. But no, I thought the the ranger stuff married really well with the world in a sort of a narrative sense. I haven't really considered it from a technical perspective because I think the 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 world building aspect of it is just so on the money with the the history behind these archetypes, the way it links in with the the Margrave itself, with it having a bit of a story behind it, uh, and working in with some of the the racial features of the the piney race as well with the the tree connection to the forest they just seem to dovetail so well at least from a narrative perspective we'll find out whether they work from a power perspective but i just think flavor wise they are they're thrilling me in a way i hadn't really expected I think what's great about them is they're non-gendered. That's I think maybe the first non-gendered ancestry I'm aware of in a in a module yeah. I've played at least. Which I don't have the sheet in front of me. For memory, it's not that they're not biologically gendered, but culturally they're not gendered, which is effectively the same thing. Um, but also as a I mean as a gender neutral person myself, it was interesting to play a character without gender because i was so used to gendering the characters anyway it did take me a while to refer to them as as they which was an interesting learning for myself as well i've got to say but um yeah no that was a really appealing specificity to have in the race yeah i've tried to be very conscious of it and i think the easiest answer is you just use chirk's name um but it's funny (laughs) how gendered our language is you know, I mean, AJ, you caught yourself a couple of times just in the way you talk. You're just saying man or, you, you know, dude. I, yeah. you know, I said guys. I meant it um, but it's generically more... or generally, but it's, but it's yeah. you know, our language is culturally gendered. So I think that's a really interesting feature of the Pineys. And it's, mm. and it's nice to see more diversity, I guess, in that. And yeah, um, yeah to, I, I think that's interesting. I, I have to say, I, I to do like fair. the idea of more gen, uh, more more diversity at the table because it means you get so much better stories. Oh, it's true. And you have so much one, better time. One of the, one of the tables I run has, uh, well, when we first started running, it had a straight 50-50 split gender balance. Mm. And oh, it was fantastic. There's some, of, some of the role play that happened on both sides of the table was so unique and different that it's it's worth if you can look at like just getting a wide variety of different people at your table it's it's amazing fun it really is i agree i mean our home game um We've not ever quite gotten to 50-50. People drop in and out, but there's always yeah. at least um, two women playing. It's, and um, yeah. it's been fun. And uh, one of them is uh, 
pretty hilarious. Her whole thing is she's a cleric and her um, magic focus is an ogum, uh, ogre scrotum with two celestial balls in it. <laughs> so every time she's... Um, Every time she's casting, she's sort of fondling this ogre scrotum. And uh, I think that's her way of um, channeling the patriarchy. I, I also want to point out, if she was ever to use that as like her form of spiritual weapon, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> one of my, one, to you. One of my favorites. She's pretty, one she's of, pretty funny. The two, the two girls at my table are probably, I would have to say, the two favorites that I have at the table. They are the fantastic... We have a androgynous Goliath barbarian who every morning she takes out a horn and blows it to wake the rest of the party up. So she annoys the rest of the party with her own secret ritual that she has to do every morning. It's fantastic. That's good. And and the other player is a uh, is a draconic sorcerer. Who's who just has an obsession with fire, and so just plays with fire whenever she can. So whenever they stop at a tavern, she's like straight at the fireplace, just playing with fire, and it's fan it's it's fantastic just seeing the unique uh, unique stories that that people bring to the table, and those are probably my two favorites. Yeah, it's although it's still definitely the case that most games you play are mostly men. I'm, I'm oh not, yeah, I'm not sure how to how we address or change that. I think it's just making them welcome at the table. So when they sit at the table, it's it's not you know it's not oh you're the you're different to any other player at the table. It's no, you're the same. I think you shows know, like Critical the, Role help as yeah. well. You know, they're just. Uh, you get that representation is important. You can see that it's um, a community for everyone. I think it's treating them the same at the table as well. So it's not, you're not treating them different purely because they're of a different gender. You know, it's, hey, everyone at this table is equal. Everyone's here to have fun. If you're not having fun, let me know and I'll fix it. Whether that's... You know, whether that's removing whatever's not fun at the table, you know, so be it. And with that, uh, I think we're going to call it there because we've been chatting for just over an hour. Um, and I think we've covered some very, very good stuff. Um, so everyone, verdict so far on how things are going is pretty good? It's damn good. Margrave's been good, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. And Josh is a dungeon master. Average. Yeah. No, no, yeah. I'm kidding. You put in a lot of effort and um, if, it really if, shows. If it's a going, joy. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. If we're going from a 0 to 10 rating, um, somewhere around the 5. No, so, no, no. So, you're, solid you're, 8. You're a good man. You're a solid 8. Uh, my favourite part of you as a DM is just showing up every uh, routinely. Yeah. <laughs> it's the little things I mean, that make a difference. Oh, look, <laughs> it's no, honestly, coming to the table Having a regular game is great. I mean, it's so hard. It that that and the fact that at the very start of the campaign, you were like, hey, this is sort of going to be a fun, uh, a non-fun, pun-free game. And then within the, like the first 10 minutes, <laughs> it, was, it was about 23 minutes and Huddleford wore me down. 
Yeah, man. I but just, the, I'm like, well, what I love yeah. is you didn't you didn't snap. You didn't be like, oh, this is supposed to be pun free. God damn it! I couldn't. You know, was, I I just I just good. I just pictured Huddleford being so happy and doing what he does, and I thought I can't take that away from the world. <laughs> I can't. It wouldn't be right. And I think to um, to close the loop on the discussion earlier, the fact that oh. we are having these bright, joyful pun loving characters being that and you still manage to bring a pretty heavy seriousness to everything just says yes this is i i, this I do want to really say well a lot of this is um yeah. a lot of this is the original source material like this it's it's for people who might be wondering, uh, you know, or, or, or thinking we're on the fence with uh, the way this is put together, guys, it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's a really, really well-written everything. Uh, if you have the funds, go buy this. Um, also, go buy Power Outage from my friend Bibas. He's he's great. Uh, you should really do that. He's wonderful. Um, but yeah, look, this is... Like the the only things I would bring as far as criticism are little things like, okay, uh, we could have had a little bit more detail on what that person's like as a character. That would have been great, guys. One or two words would have been wonderful. Um, but if that's the only downside I've got to this, then guys, damn good work. Yeah, it's a rich, detailed work world with like lots of interesting new races and. They all sort of fit in a sort of cohesive story way. So I, I really like it. Oh, actually, no, sorry. The other criticism is, guys, um, one or two more maps for certain confrontations also would have been really nice. But again, like that's a problem I can solve in like 20 minutes. So. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Excellent. Well, uh, Go get it. I've been a host, but not a dungeon master tonight. Uh, we will return to our regular shenanigans. Uh, and to make up for people who didn't really enjoy this talk, don't worry, I will post the next episode next week. So it, it'll probably stay fortnightly, though, because that way Josh has time to live and think about his other project, uh, Better Homes and Dungeons. Cool. Uh, everyone? Is that is that when you put beholder heads on the walls? <laughs> yes. It's when you have like little beholder eyes as like lamps on stuff. Like you just turn it on and cast light. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we shall leave it there. Everyone have a lovely week.